Today, I'm here to talk about a hot topic. We're going to touch on the cannabis industry and like many categories experiencing innovation in tech, surge of interest in the pandemic, and even in the post-pandemic world, the cannabis industry is no exception. We are going to talk a little bit about how it's evolved in recent years to meet new consumer demand and the opportunities that exist for cannabis brands in the out-of-home world. So I'm joined by not only out front team members, but also a client. So first is Christine Roche, our marketing director in the West region. Jay Paul is our creative director at Outfront Studios for the West. And our special guest is Taylor Weiss, and she's head of advertising at Ease. Hey, everybody. Hi, everyone. Hi, guys. So my first question is really directed at Christine to sort of start to paint the picture of what the cannabis industry and the category looks like today? What are some misnomers that consumers have about it and the trends that have helped drive that change and also drive an increase in advertising for the industry, not just for out of home? Yeah, thanks, Lindsay. Um, the big thing is it's not just weed anymore. Um, cannabis is a really big business now. Part of that is the legalization has really driven explosive growth. After starting relatively small in a couple of states, cannabis legalization is accelerating at a rapid pace, bringing a huge surge in business, product line, customers, and companies. And we're likely to see the legalization to continue to expand and likely to continue as the cannabis tax revenues can offer incentives for states and cities. It's also much more than just rec used for recreation. In tandem with the greater legalization, product innovation is unleashing a wide range of use cases via CBD, touching health, wellness, therapeutics, and more just beyond the recreational user. In fact, we're seeing that cannabis use is slowly losing its stigma, and the idea that cannabis fit into the stoner stereotype is really beginning to fade, that consumption is expected to increase as the market expands and brands create new products for new users. Another thing I wanted to touch on is how the pandemic has really supercharged the market. During COVID, the cannabis industry was deemed essential. This allowed businesses to stay operational, while many other industries had to shut down, which enabled the, the cannabis market the opportunity to innovate with delivery, retailing, online ordering, and curbside pickup. These were just a few of the big trends in 2020 that really helped consumers get their products quickly and safely. So one thing, I know, Taylor, you'll talk to us about what Ease is and what you guys do in a second. But as we're on this part of the conversation on this topic, I know that there's an Ease annual report that gets issued each year. And I thought it might be interesting to hear some of the findings that you guys have had around the consumer and how the category is evolving. Obviously, it's just from the Ease perspective, but it could be indicative of the category as a whole. Yeah, great question, Lindsay. As you mentioned, every year Ease does come out with a Cannabis Insights report. And what we're seeing is that the cannabis consumer is constantly evolving. And back in 2019, baby boomers or those who are, are 50 plus, those customers on the site grew by over 105%. And now 2020, with that latest report, we saw how women have caught up significantly to men and now make up about 48% of the customer base, which is a is grown at least 10% since 2018. We're definitely seeing these 
these groups constantly change and, and who the who the cannabis consumer is. And, you know, 2020 was really just a wild year for everyone, but cannabis was definitely the winner, so to speak. You know, just looking at election night, we saw that more people voted in favor of cannabis legalization than people voted for either presidential candidate. I think that's really interesting to think about how engaged people are with the industry and with the category and and have such a high interest in it. So we often talk about that within the out-of-home world and within advertising in general, there's so many categories that can be more dormant, but categories that people aren't necessarily highly engaged in, but they are ones that have big impact on people's lives. And then this is something that people, it's a little bit more of an opt-in and an optional choice to be as engaged with it because it's the participation in any level of the cannabis industry is also largely by choice. So it's a, it's something that's of interest and really consumers care about it and want to learn more or find out more, which I think positions it really well for out of home, of course, and why brands are choosing to advertise and really start to reach people with specific messaging about it. So Christine, as the category extends, what are some ways that out of home can help cannabis brands and businesses as they look to either enter the advertising market in general or start to think about expanding their media mix and including out of home. Growing a cannabis brand really starts with out of home. That's why we see 42% of cannabis ad spending going to out of home. Cannabis brands really understand the value that out of home provides to connect them with their consumers. While other other forms of media have steered away from cannabis advertising, out of home has really embraced the industry. To dive a little bit into your question on how what are the out of home opportunities for cannabis brands? Well, out of home's location and audience audience targeting has helped in increasing awareness and overall brand presence in specific markets across the country. Through the use of in real life out of home advertising, cannabis brands can target specific locations where cannabis is legal and really build a physical presence in that location. And they can launch a product, tell consumers where to go, educate them on the industry. Whether you're a dispensary, delivery service, or cannabis accessory brand, Outfront's billboard and street level assets can really help your businesses grow. Thanks, Christine. And I think that when we're talking about the opportunities that exist, it's always nice to anchor it in some reality and in a brand and an example that can help put additional context to the conversation. So Taylor, I think before we even dive into how ease has leveraged out of home as part of your media mix, first and foremost, can you talk a little bit about what ease is? Ease is a technology company that provides an online marketplace to facilitate cannabis delivery. So at the at our core, we're a group of coders and tokers dedicated to providing adults 21 up with convenient access to safe and legal cannabis. Right now, we offer delivery throughout the state of California. How has Ease leveraged out of home as a significant part of your media plans? Out of home is an integral part of our media mix. We use it for brand awareness and acquisition. So we really work closely with our partners at Outfront to stay up to date with the latest trends and knowing what's available for our vertical because sometimes uh, mainstream advertising channels aren't available to cannabis. It's really important for us to use what is available and to do it 
well. We really take the time to invest in the channel and understand it so that we can use it to to our strengths. Leverage a mix of static and digital placements to help us be more flexible in the market, especially as consumer patterns are are changing in a post-COVID environment. It's important to catch consumers on the go, whether that means their work commute or when they're just running errands around the neighborhood. It really has shown and it works. Following word of mouth, out of home is our top contributor to first deliveries, and which translates to about 15 to 20% monthly. I love that example. I think it's great how you've been able to mix up how you use the medium to really target people in different ways. So as you continue to expand your business into new markets and naturally grow the user base, what's the approach to reaching the right people and leveraging local nuances within those DMAs? So with delivery, we really want to make sure that everyone who's 21 up can have safe and convenient access. So not just the people in the big cities, which means that in addition to top DMAs like Los Angeles and San Francisco, we also need to reach the smaller markets like Gardenia, Drupa Valley, or, or Miramar. In order to do so, we really lean into contextually relevant creative and have a localized approach that's unique to what's in the area. So with our shift and our rebrand at the end of 2020 to highly calculated delivery, we're able to connect with this growing consumer base of cannabis users and also use hyperlocal insights ranging from the Bay Area fog, Southern California tacos, or how many bong refills you can get from the 800 million gallons of water in Silver Lake. So, you know, with going into these smaller markets, we're really we're understanding how they fall into the larger parent market. And as I mentioned, we're really trying to get consumers on the go, looking at that customer journey, knowing how uh, people navigate throughout their markets and, and don't just stay so close to home. What I love about what you guys have done and what you're doing as you continue to expand is that you really lean into out of home at its core and the ability to reach many and embed your communication into communities. So having messaging that really resonates with the people who are seeing it and not just assuming that what you're sharing across the state or across the country is equally relevant everywhere you go. We always talk about is that out of home is largely as successful as the creative that is sharing the messaging. So Obviously, location is always important, but so many of the conversations we've had on this platform have been about how the success of a campaign can be attributed to how compelling the creative was. So, Jay, who's patiently been waiting for us to start asking him some questions, I I think it'd be great to talk a little bit about some of the types of creative that potential cannabis clients or businesses could do on out of home just i think i think one of the simple things was the first thing that comes to mind for me uh, are qr codes using them as it's kind of just a visually clean way to replace informational text uh, and reduce uh, a point of contact down to one quick step and reducing text is often one of the best things an advertiser can do when it comes to out of home since the effectiveness of the ads in this medium are so reliant on readability. In the beginning, though, uh, QR codes mostly had to be clunky 8-bit 
looking eye stores that required a third party app just to access. But after a year of using QR codes to view restaurant menus and other things during quarantine, I think it's become a lot more mainstream. It's as simple as hovering your phone's built-in camera over the QR code. And with so many ways to stylize them to match the aesthetic of a given ad, there's really no longer an excuse not to incorporate them if you're running ads with pedestrian, pedestrian traffic. A lot of the ads we see post on the West Coast are focused on branding or product features. For example, Daniel on our LA team worked on a rebrand for the company Capital Cannabis Direct. And the billboard design featured a larger-than-life product shot of a Capital-branded flower bag. A way to take something like this even further would be to recreate that bag as a 3D prop. When it comes to 3D props, we've got inflatables to hardened foam to fiberglass. All have pros and cons and different price points depending on the, the situation and complexity. There are also multiple ways to illuminate your ad. You can incorporate simple, cost-effective LED strip lights to an ad, or you can go all out by backlighting the entire ad. It allows you to show an alternate image or hidden message at night when the lighting is on. One of the coolest executions um, of this was done by Jeep maybe five to ten years ago when Jeep put out a Call of Duty Modern Warfare Edition Wrangler. Uh, during the day, it looked like a normal Jeep ad like you'd expect with a Wrangler perched up on a rock and a peaceful-looking outdoor scene. But at night, with the Jeep still being perched on the same rock in the same position, the look of the ad completely changed into a night vision view of a war scene. The sky's the limit. There's a, a lot of room for evolution in this industry. Uh, I showed an example of a cam campaign concept the other day where each design posed a clever rebrand of cannabis perception. Uh, there was stoner was written and then crossed out and patient was written in. And then another one in that same campaign, the dealer was crossed out and became consultant. And we see Ease using clever copy that seems to have built a personality for the brand. So despite cannabis becoming one of our top industries in terms of volume, there's, there's not much competition in this space when it comes to giving a brand personality. So I think aiming for this, um, the conceptual approach that builds a reputation should be the next step for brands who have already established uh, a good look. What I love about those examples that you shared is it really covered so many different, not just creative executions and ways to imagine this on a billboard, but it also the types of work that the uh, billboard and the creative can do for your business. So Jay, you started to touch on this as you were wrapping up what you just said, but if you're a new brand and you've never explored out of home, what advice do you have to help someone get started? I think this sort of ties into the last answer. I think I think one of the most limiting factors we see in practice when meeting with new brands is that they've already sort of become set on an approach they want to take. Oftentimes, the goal is to essentially copy the approach of another brand. Maybe it's a brand that this smaller brand has looked up to, and so understandably, they, they kind of want to follow in the footsteps that seem to have resulted in the level of success they want to match. Sometimes that's not a bad thing. Sometimes the approach is a good one. Um, oftentimes the approach is maybe mediocre compared to what we could do, or it's just been done too many times. What might have been great the first time, still kind of good the second time, is not going to be the same the third to tenth time. So despite this being a favorite category for my team and I, I, I 
think sometimes we find ourselves spending a big portion of our consultations attempting to talk clients out of ideas that have been done a million times when we could be using the same time to talk about something fresh. And for us, this has been one of the main plateaus, I think, in the way of coming up with a higher level of advertising for this industry. And that's no one's fault at the end of the day. I think it's just a product of this industry being so new. But I do think it's worth bringing up, if only as a challenge to emerging brands in the industry, to make it your goal to aim for something that hasn't been done yet. I love that. I love that it's not just what you can do, but also a challenge to brands that as you start to enter the category to really think about doing something unique for your business. Christine, Jay, and Taylor, thank you so much for joining. And as always, thank you to everyone for listening. This episode followed a vertical brand builder. Please head to the Outfront content hub where you can watch the brand builder in full to learn more. And of course, reach out to Christine and Jay if you have any questions or are interested for your business. And as always, thank you to everyone for listening as well. Until next time, over and out.